0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today, on A Transforming Word.
1: Fear is a result of a lack of faith. You fear because you don't trust God. That's why you're afraid. And whatever, you can be financially afraid, you can be afraid to move out and do something God said to do. Wherever you're afraid, fear and faith are, they're like water and oil. They never go together. So when I'm afraid, I'm not walking my faith. And when I walk in my faith, I'm not going to be overwhelmed by fear. As adults, we want to get that because I want to pass that down to my kids. I don't want my kids to feel fear. I want them to be bold and courageous, not because they bad, but don't they have a God that is all knowing, all able, all powerful, almighty?
0: Particularly after this last year, I think we all know what it's like to live in fear. It's crazy to realize you're not in control and even scarier when everything feels out of control but pastor bill reminds us today that to live in fear is the opposite of living in faith you can't have faith and still be fearful of what's to come but if you trust in god if you have faith in his promises then fear is pointless you have an all-powerful God who loves you and watches over you, and no matter what, has the best intentions for you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: Look at the people that the Bible celebrates as heroes. Bravery is celebrated in scripture, right? There's nothing, when you look at those that cower, those that that are scared, those that cower down, we would say in our vernacular, punk out, right? That's not celebrated in scripture. When you look at the people, men and women that the Bible puts forth as, look at them. These are people that stepped up in adversity, stepped up in adverse circumstances. They looked danger in the face and said, my God is bigger. Like, I won't, I won't cower down. I'm thinking of Asa with, you know, he had 580 foot soldiers and the Ethiopians came out with a million man army and 300 chariots. He was way outdone. He was like, God is nothing for you, rather with many or with few. Boom, let's go. And God gave him the victory. Gideon, Gideon was—I mean, if if you couldn't you couldn't find a man in a weaker predicament when God found him, but God told him, "Man, you're a mighty man of valor. We'll do something with you, right?" And Gideon, God took him and and with a, with an army of three hundred, took out the Midianites who had been given the business to Is- the Israelites. Little David, when Saul, who was head and shoulders taller than everybody else, was afraid to go to fight Goliath, he said, "You know, whoever will go, I'll give you one of my daughters as a wife, and I'll give you free taxes." And then this little cute kid, David, he was ruddy. He said, it really means he was cute, right? All these warriors, all these men of war out there, Goliath stomping out there every day talking about who wants some, and don't nobody want to go out. And then David comes and was like, why are you talking about our God like that? I'll fight him. And it made them mad. They us go home, David. You always, you out here getting people's business. He said, no, I'll fight him. And he fought him and he beat him. And my favorite part of that story is as they came down to the valley, and Goliath yelled at Goliath, you come at me with this little kid, you know, like he just he was just disrespecting David. It says he came at David and said, David ran at him. You don't run at nobody when you're scared. David was like, worried about you. Ran at him. Boom. Right. These are the things celebrated in Scripture. Esther going in before the king. If I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. And she saved the entire Jewish nation at her time on and on and on. And so when I look at this story and God says, man, I was not well pleased. Why? Because fear is a result of a lack of faith you fear because you don't trust god that's why you're afraid and whatever area, you can be financially afraid you can be afraid to move out and do something god said to do wherever you're afraid fear and faith are they're like water and oil they never go together so when i'm afraid i'm not walking my faith and when i'm walking my faith i'm not going to be overwhelmed by fear as adults we want to get that because i want to pass that down to my kids i don't want my kids to feel fear i want them to be bold and courageous not because they bad but don't they have a God that is all knowing, all able, all powerful, almighty? We 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 pretty covered. Amen. And so they were covered, but they wouldn't walk in it, and it didn't please God. God said, Man, I, I was not well pleased. with most of them were scattered. Only Joshua and Caleb said, You guys are gonna go in. And then all the parents that complained, he said, You know what? None of y'all, y'all gonna die in the wilderness. I'm gonna let your kids go in. It's cause you won't trust me, you won't believe me. You don't get to go in. Moving on now, verse six. He said, now, these became our examples. Now, he's going to give us five areas that they messed up in. But I want to note first, he says, these things became our examples to the intent. And he's going to give the first one that we should not lust after evil things as they also did. And I want to just point this out that God wants us to learn from their mistakes. God doesn't want you to you don't have to make your own mistakes. Right. These things are written down. Like, how come God writes so honestly about the mistakes of those that have gone before us. It isn't to embarrass them for eternity. God says there'll be be people coming behind and I want you guys to benefit from it. I want you to benefit from their mistakes so you don't make the same mistakes. Every time you study the Bible, you're studying God. I'm looking at the things that please God when I'm reading scripture, but I'm looking at the things that don't please him so that I can fall in line. When I look at how God responds to people's behaviors, I'm saying, wow, that pleased him. Or that, why he did not like that. Why he was really upset about that as theology. I'm learning God. And so we want to have that that mind on every time we open up the Bible. I'm, I'm learning something about my God that I might walk more pleasing to him. So we're going to see five examples of things that don't please him. And then we're going to get some information so that we walk pleasing to him. Amen. And so the first one in verse uh, six, he said these things again have become our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And so if you're writing notes, write down Numbers chapter 11. That's where this story comes from. They lusted after evil things. And that scenario in in Numbers, they complained. It says the people complained against the Lord and the Lord heard it and he became angry. We studied that probably about seven, eight weeks ago. Um, And they were lusting after other things. God had provided for them and they were like, no, we want something else. We want more than what you provided. You provide manna. We want we want quail. We want something else. We want meat, you know, and and God said they, they lusted after evil things. This is it. The word lust means a strong desire. And all of us here have a portion that God's provided for us. It's a bad thing to be discontent with what God has provided. Why? Why? Because you live in a society where everybody wants more. But the people that have the most, they still want more. You know that? Do you know that when you get into the habit of wanting more that you never really have enough anyway? So God said, I want to I save my people from that. will not you be content with what I provide you with? And if I give you more, praise God. But you need to learn how to be content right where you're at. God was providing supernaturally and they were like, nah, we're not happy with this. And they complained. But when they complained, the Bible says they complained against the Lord. So too when I complain and when you complain, we're actually complaining against God. I'm saying, God, you haven't done enough for me. Most of us would never say that. We would never line it up like that. We would never say, God, you haven't been good enough. God, you haven't done enough. But when I'm complaining, that's what I'm saying. Not good enough. I, I deserve better. I, I hope none of us would be fool enough to shape your lips and tell God what you deserve, because we all know what we really deserve and it's not better. So um, but it says so the number the first thing that we want to learn uh, uh, that they did wrong was lusting after evil things. Lusting after things that God didn't have in mind, didn't have for them. Um, and so if you're here today and you find that that's a habit for you, do you lust after evil things? What's an evil thing? You know, there could be there are things that are evil in and of themselves that people might lust after. There are things that are evil in the sense that it's just not what God has for you. Right? It's not a bad thing in general. It's just be it's bad for you to be lusting after. it. I, and again, what's the cure to lusting after evil things? It's when my desire, when, 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 I, when my heart is directed towards the Lord, God, I, want, I just want you, right? I want more of you. That'll save me from lusting after other things. My, my desire is the Lord. I want more of him. Because then I'm wanting more of something I could actually have more of that God wants to give me more of. It'd be better for us to want more of him than to be wanting some stuff and some things. Stuff and things are okay. If God's granted them to you, praise the Lord. But, but don't get caught up. You know, we live in a very materialistic world that have you feeling like you're not enough and you don't have enough because you don't have one of those. You're not driving one of them and, you know, so forth and so on. And people get themselves into bondage and all kind of debt and everything else trying to trying to live a, at a level that's just beyond what God is doing for you. Uh, that's why I hate the whole word faith movement where everybody's taught to, you know, claim what you want. And I'm going a, I'm to a believe God for this, that and the fifth and, and whatever, whatever you want, you're supposed to have like God is a genie. God is not a genie. <laughs> He's not a genie. Imagine if your kids could have everything they wanted. Every parent here, just think about if your kids at every phase of their life, all the silly, immature phase. What if they could just at every phase have had whatever they wanted? Would they be ruined? They would be ruined. So would you. So would you. So you grown folks, we would be ruined. If, if, if everything I was like, I just want that. God, I just know if I could have that. And God was like, no, nah, I know you. I know you. I know you real good. It's not going to be good for you. You need I got you right where you need to be, and so we need to trust Him that He He loves us and He has us right where we need to be. Um, some people can handle a whole lot. Some of us are are are, are held back because God said if you had any more, you'll walk away. If I gave you any more, you will be out there doing doing the thing again. So I'm key, I'm helping you out by keeping you right here. Some of y'all know it's true. So God bless you. Uh, moving on. So He said they lusted after evil things. Verse seven. He said, and do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. This is a quotation from Exodus chapter 32, 31 and 32 cover the golden calf incident. For you guys that are not familiar with that, um, the people uh, where it says they became idolaters. Moses was up the mountain, spending time with the Lord, getting the commandments from the God. And they were like, where is Moses at? He left us out here in the dead. They were always complaining against Moses. I, I wouldn't have made it if I was Moses. I would have beat the people, you know. I definitely wouldn't have went to the promised land neither, you know. But they're like, where is he at? He left us down here. You know, Aaron, you lead us, Aaron. And they, they took Aaron. Aaron was weak. Aaron was a weak leader. He was that kind of leader that just wanted the people to like him. And it, it, he said, okay, yeah, I'll lead you guys. And, and what they wanted, we're sick of worshiping this invisible God. He spends time with Mo. We don't see him. We want a God like all the nations around us. And Aaron said, "Okay, guys, everybody bring me your gold. Bring me your gold earrings and nose rings and all your gold. And they brought the gold and they they made a golden calf. And as Moses got done with the Lord, he came down he he started hearing it. They was down there like, oh, they was down there partying. And, you know, he came down and the people were there was orgy and and they're worshiping this golden calf down there. What did Moses do with them commandments? Threw them down. He said, I mean, how discouraging would that be as a leader? I'm going to tell you all, if I came, if I took a Sunday off. And I came back late and, you know, y'all was all in here like, oh, y'all was talk, throwing bottles. i would be so discouraged. I, that would be so discouraged. That's what Moses is dealing with, with these people. They're just like, it's discouraging. But it says that they, they became idolaters. How did they become idolaters that quick? God is feeding you supernaturally, giving you water supernaturally, shade in the day, fire at night. I mean, he's, he's all around. Every time you cry out, even though it's a complaint, he hears you. And they still want a God they can touch. Why? Because it takes faith to worship the true and living God because we don't see him. And so a lot of people do replace God with something they can touch. It's idolatry. It could be a person. It could be a relationship. It could be a thing. It could be a job. It could be a you name it. God can be replaced in many people's lives. So I just want something I can tell. I want something tangible. That's how come some people don't pray. They call a friend because you want a person, but you're getting shortchanged. Because that person can't do anything. Instead of saying, for real? <laughs> I, I would too. You know, that, That's all they can do. They can't help. They can't do anything supernatural. They got limitations. You have access to God who can do anything, has all power, loves you with an amazing love, available 24-7. And because of our humanness, we call a friend instead of calling him. We know better if you think about it. But what do we do in those moments? And so the people here, God said they became idolaters. They they were worshiping something other than me, putting something in front of me. And so that is as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. Verse eight. That's number two. So the first thing they did was they lusted after evil things. The second thing they did, was says do not become idolaters, as some of them were. Uh, The third thing in verse eight, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, twenty three thousand fell. Now, this points uh, to a story we haven't got to in Numbers yet. We'll be there in about five, four weeks in Numbers 25, where uh, Balaam and Balaam was a prophet. Balak was trying to get Balaam to curse the people of God. And he was it was a it was a messed up prophet. He was trying to pay him off to pronounce a curse on God's people. And every time and he was willing to do it, and every time he tried to do it, he would get a blessing would come out. Like God wouldn't let him speak a curse over Israel. And then he said, you know what, though, I know I, I know where to get him. Right. I, I guys. I can't I can only say what God given me. I can't speak a curse over him. But I tell you what, you bring up some of them foreign women and let them come up and entice the men in their tents and have intercourse with them. And then have them women tell them, hey, worship, set up an altar to my God. And, and he said now and then God will turn his back on them. And it worked. The people were weak in that way, sexual morality. And so all these foreign women came down, and they went into the tent. And after, you know, they were having intercourse with the men and they were asking to worship their gods. And then it brought them into a place of disfavor with the Lord. And God says, as that happened, he said, 23,000 people fell dead. God said, don't get into sexual morality. We live in a sexual sexually immoral culture. What is sexual morality for you guys that don't know? Sexual immorality is any form of sexual activity outside the, the confines of a marital relationship. Um, Sex is created by God for pleasure, for unity and oneness, for procreation, to be enjoyed between a man and a woman in marriage. Boom. That's what he made it for. So you take that take that that same thing anywhere else, take sex and put it into your boyfriend, girlfriend thing. That's sexual morality. Take sex and have it all by yourself. That's sexual morality. Take sex and look at it on a computer screen. That's sexual morality. Take sex and, and contort the picture and put two men or two women. That's sexual morality. All those things would be considered sexual morality. God says in this culture, that was the form that they did. was It was fornication and maybe some adultery as they had sex with these women as they came by. Pretty much acted like animals. Um, and God said and they died for it. And you know what? There are people today dying because of sexual morality. It's happening. The church should be different, right? We live in a I live in a world, I know the world that I live in is immoral that way. And, and we are to love them and witness to them and share with them, but don't be partakers with them, right? Don't don't become just like the world in which we live. We shouldn't have the same rate of sexual morality that the world does. It should be different. If you're up in this church and you come here every week and you're living with a boyfriend or girlfriend for it, you should feel some kind of way. I hope you're uncomfortable. I hope it's real uncomfortable. I hope it's so uncomfortable you leave or stop. But, you know, that's that's for real. How I am? I, I don't think you should be able to be comfortable just continuing on. You're not right with God living like that. You got to repent of those behaviors. He loves you. If you repent, he'll forgive you and he'll help you do better. But don't feel like you could just stay that way and that like, God's going to be OK with it. He's not OK with it. And that's again, I read stuff like this and I'm like, God, because you didn't have to kill him. Right. You could have just like spanked him. You could have like, you could have cut the food off. You could have said, I'm gonna take away the shade for a while. I mean, you could have done lesser. See, this is when you this is when you study, when I look at the things that God said, they died for that. That's telling me that that's kind of serious then. Right? Even though we're not, we're under grace. That's what messes us up. See, we're in grace, so we don't get the the uh, God's not smacking you down, you know, right when you do something. And so people get like, well, a, God must be okay with it. No, no, you're storing up wrath. For the day of judgment. It's not it's not OK. Uh, I remember when I was a kid. I know I've shared this before, but my, my I got a brother 10 years older than me. And my dad is a pretty mellow man. Uh, but my dad was the disciplinarian in the home. And I remember my brother, I, I must have been six and he was 16 uh, somewhere around there. But my brother had went out when he was not supposed to. And we shared a bedroom. I was on the bottom, bunk, my brother was on the top. And my dad realized he wasn't there, and he broom in his car and got him, and he came back. And I remember just being in the room, and my dad came in there with the big man belt. And now my brother, you know, when you're six, a 16 year old is like a grown man. You know, he's six foot tall at the time, or whatever. And I watched my dad give it to him, and I was like, I remember my dad. My dad still teasing me. Today. He said, you came into my room the next day and said. That that whatever he did, I'm never gonna do that. <laughs> I mean that whooping, I mean, I, I would you know, I was getting a little six year old butt tap whooping, but I was like, nah, whatever he did, I, mean, I ain't never gonna do that. And I was I was dead serious. I'm like, so so what did he do? So I make sure that I don't do that, you know? And there are things when it comes to the Lord where it's like, God, you, you feel that strong about that? Then let me make sure that's not on my resume. Let me make sure I'm not partaking of that. Cause cause you dealt with that pretty Severely and pretty heavily, and so twenty-three thousand died because of sexual immorality. And then number four is in verse nine: nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. This is what we covered this past Thursday. If you guys remember, they were there uh, in the in the wilderness and continuing. This is in Numbers twenty-one, continuing in their in their disobedience to the Lord, disobedience to what He would want. And God, God ended up destroying them or God sent serpents to to deal with them. Um, the people were journeying. They were getting discouraged. And and they started again They went to complain. But when they would complain against Moses, they were really complaining against God. And they were accusing God of having brought them out here to kill them. So they were that was the thing that they did there. They're saying, God, you brought us out here to kill us. Now, these are the kids of the old generation. They're, they're saying the same stuff that their parents said. And we talked about that Thursday, how parents (coughs) could pass down your sinful attitudes to your kids. Dang, they weren't even there. Right. That's how come racism passes on like it does. Some old racist mom and dad sharing your tidbits on a certain people group with your kids. They grow up always having heard that and they picking that up from you. Make sure you all not doing that to your kids. Make sure you all not making kids feel different about other groups. They can love what they are. You know, our little brown kids or black kids ought to be proud to be black and brown and wherever they are. But make sure you're not instilling in them hateful stuff towards other groups. That's not that's not what God would have. Y'all know that? I hate that mess. And uh I hate sometimes that it's the church people doing it. So hopefully they're not from Cow Chapel Inglewood. We're not doing that. I'm telling my kids love everybody. Love them all. You know, high five and slap them. You know, just I mean, we gonna love everybody and and be good. But then I want them to love who they are, too. You know. Uh, my daughter's black, got black hair, and I remember having, they had some, Some um, Harmony had some, some friends that were Hispanic, and she was like, how come my hair won't do like their hair do after we go swimming? I mean, your hair never do like their hair do after swimming, and I had to try to make her proud of making some Afro puffs. I said, nah, nah they can't do that. You know, make them puff girl. They can't make one of them, you know what I'm saying? You got to go ahead and love what you are. Because your hair ain't going to never. You can't do nothing to your hair to make it do that after water. So I digress anyway. Um, but it says that they they tempted the Lord there. And God what God did as they complained, God sent serpents and there were serpents in the ground and the serpents started biting the people. And then God had Moses to make a, a, a bronze serpent, put it on a pole. If you look to the pole, look to the serpent, you'll be healed. If not, you refuse to. You won't. And we talked about that Thursday. I won't go all into it this morning, but that was a in John three. As Jesus was ministering to Nicodemus, he goes back to that story and says it's really a picture of the cross. Right. That in the same way that he's going to be lifted up on the cross and those who look to him will be forgiven. But those who won't look to him won't. And God God's shown all these pictures that, that tie together. But their issue here was, again, they're complaining that that seems to be a thread that that are you hearing that in all of this, that God don't like it when we complain about our circumstance or what he's done or what he's doing. Uh, Verse 10, nor complain. Now he's just straight up said it, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. There is a reference to the spies again, as they went out and the 10 that came back and they were complaining. They weren't complaining. Once they saw how the enemies looked, they were afraid. This is what was wrong about what they did. They complained and then they shared their complaint. So it's one thing if you're a coward. And you won't step out in strength and you're afraid. It's another thing altogether. When you're so scared, you want everybody else to be scared so that you don't feel bad about not doing it. People do stuff like that, that it's really their own fears and they want to put it off on you so that you don't do it either. So now I don't feel bad about not doing it because you don't do it either. You know, the worst thing you can do to somebody that's walking in fear. Do what they won't do in front of them. Right. That's going to convict them or encourage them, but it won't leave them where they are. They're going to be impacted by it. But that's what those spies did. They said, we're afraid to go. So they brought a bad report back to everybody else and everybody else. We're not going. And they wouldn't go. That thing upset the Lord and they were destroyed by the destroyer in that instance. And so another lesson there that we wouldn't let. First of all, we wouldn't let fear overtake us. And if you are afraid, you better keep it to yourself until you get over it. Don't be sharing your fears. Um, I've shared with you guys many times. I've had things that where they were, you know, I, I was dealing with fear. I'm not telling my wife, you know, you guys know my daughter Harmony, she's the globetrotter. I ain't always been good with that. She's like, dad, I feel like God wants me to go to Peru. Oh, you, you're with seventh grade. No, you know, but, uh, but she went, you know, I prayed about it. And I'm like, I, I don't have, I can't tell her no. I feel like, you know, I gotta trust God and let her go. And every trip she's gone on, she's been blessed and grown and challenged and strengthened and built up. But I pray if God would have say no, I would say, babe, I prayed about it. God said no. But you know what? Every time I pray about it, even when I pray about it hoping God to say no, <laughs> I mean, I mean the, 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 where she's at now in Florida, I was like, God, can you just say no? Is it this? They got a school in Costa Mesa she could be at. I could find another place in California. And the Lord was like, no, she let her go.
0: That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This book addresses the idea of confronting sin. Paul knew it was more important to hit the issue head-on rather than skirt around it for the sake of being approved of by the majority. This is a hard thing to do when you know that tough issues will cause disruption in a church or even a breach in relationship. But what matters most, pleasing God or pleasing man? It's something to keep in mind as you continue to study this New Testament book. Can we encourage you as you strive to walk out a life of faith, even when it's unpopular? Call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811 we'd love to meet you. Do you live in the Inglewood area? Then come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You can even find links to stream our services if you're not able to be with us in person, and you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org as we come to the end of our time with you today we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and may be hearing about jesus for the first time pray that their hearts will be open to truth and change thanks for praying and thanks for joining us on a transforming word